What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, episode 73. So let me go ahead and let me address the elephant in the room. Guys, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we have been um, posting podcast episodes and things like that. But trust me, trust me, you know I will never leave you guys like that intentionally. Um, so to be fully transparent and be completely honest with you guys, um, I actually caught the flu the day after our big win against the Eagles. Um, so that was about two weeks ago. And then last week was my birthday, so I was out of town. I actually got the clearance to travel um, the day of my birthday. <laughs> so it was a very interesting birthday to say the least. Um, but I'll never leave you guys again. Um, but that flu, that flu was pretty treacherous. I had the flu for about a week. So it put me down bad. Um, I was in no capacity to record. But um, that's the past. That's the past. Um, we have missed a lot. We have missed a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, we missed our big win over the Eagles, which is probably still our biggest win um, um, to this point of the season or to that point of the season. And then we also missed our dominant win that we had against the Houston Texans. There wasn't really much to talk about um, in that game. But here we are with another recap episode. So like I told you, this is episode 73, and we're going to call this episode The Sean Way. We're going to call this episode The Sean Way because I said we're here to recap Washington 19-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons. And the reason I'm calling this the Sean Way is, of course, today is the 15th anniversary of the passing of Sean Taylor, um, one of my favorite all-time athletes, um, even before the passing. I just love the passion that Sean played with, um, and it's something that I identified I identified with uh, as a young, young football player. I could tell that he was somebody that was more passionate than others playing the game and things like that. Um, so Sean was my favorite, one of my favorite athletes, even before the passing. Uh, but, of course, the passing made it more tragic and things like that. So, to see that we're 15 years since um, his passing, uh, it's crazy to see that time has flown by that flown by that fast. Uh, but it's also amazing to see that, you know, like his family members were there for the unveiling today. Um, and it's also amazing to see the people that have grown over time. Uh, like his daughter Jackie's a full-grown woman now. She's about 17 or 18, and at the time, she was about two or three at the time of his passing. So things like that are crazy to see. Um, but let's get into this game. Like I said, Washington won. Washington won 19-13 in an ugly game. Ugly in every sense of the word, and that's why I call this the Sean Way. That's why I call this the Sean Way, because so many games that I remember in the Sean Taylor era, though we weren't the best teams and everything like that, but the big big moments that I do remember, it was always a big play coming from our defense. It was always an electrifying play uh, coming from our defense and coming from Sean in particular in a lot of cases and things like that. And that was the case today. Um, like I said, in the Sean era, we dealt with a lot of we dealt with a lot of ineptitude, especially at quarterback with the Mark Brunels of the world, the Jason Campbells of the world, whoever you want to name, whoever you want to name. And that's kind of what we're dealing with in 2022. But, hey, the commanders keep finding a way to win. That's six wins out of the last seven games with the one loss coming in a narrow defeat against the Minnesota Vikings. And we're the hottest team in the NFL since week six. So, I mean, there's not really much you can complain about. There's not really much you can complain about. Um, I'm in a great mood. <laughs> I mean, there's there's not really much to say it. Um, but you know, as we do um, at Bleeding BNG, we always try to give you the most raw, unfiltered, hard-hitting analysis, and that's what we're going to try to do to cover the basis of this game. Um, like I said, it was an ugly game, ugly game throughout um, on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. But even the elements, it was rainy throughout. It was rainy throughout. I woke up this morning. And it looked like a hurricane outside. 
And, 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 and at that point, I knew to lock in the under. The under was set at about 40 and a half. I knew, that I, I knew to lock in the under. And I knew that, you know, we were going to get some smash mouth football. First, I knew that because, of, like I said, the weather was nasty. But also, that's the identity that both teams come want to play with. We've seen that ever since at least our win against the Philadelphia Eagles, we're a run-first team. We're a run-first, run-second down we're, we're, we're running. We're running. If you, if you don't know what we want to do right now, by now you're foolish. Because I'm going to tell you here, the Washington Commanders want to establish that run. And that's the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons. So you have two of the of the top, what, eight rushing attacks in the NFL over the course of the last couple of weeks and things like that going head-to-head. So I knew this was going to be a short game. I knew this was going to be a game with not many fireworks through the air. But I knew that this was going to be a beautiful game if you love a defensive struggle, if you love Smash Mouth football like we do over at Bleeding BNG. So I love what I saw today. I love what I saw today. Um, in particular parts of the game. In particular parts of the game for sure. Um, and we're going to touch on that um, pretty, pretty soon, actually. Matter of fact, let's touch on that now. So, as I said, the Washington Commanders have won six out of the seven, their last seven games and have won, what, five of uh, Taylor Heineke's last six starts or whatever. Um, but the theme of today goes along with the theme of a lot of our wins over the course of this win streak. And please don't bash me, Heineke Hive. Please don't bash me. Please, please. Because if you ask me right now, I'm telling you, I prefer Taylor Heineke to be at the helm rather than Carson Wentz. I'm letting you know that right now so you know exactly where I stand. But an underlying theme for today, which goes along with an underlying theme over the course of this win streak, is that the team is winning in spite of Taylor Heineke's performances. The team is winning in spite of Taylor Heineke's performances. If you look at his stat line today, he threw 14 for 23, uh, 14 completions out of 23 attempts for 138 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Those two touchdowns were Taylor Heineke's first two touchdowns in three weeks. And it wasn't like those were, you know, the most electrifying plays and things like that. And by no means am I saying that you need those to win games and things like that. But it's not. let's not fool ourselves and think that those were two dynamic passing plays where he's fitting those in the tight windows and things like that. Neither one of them were. Neither one of them were. And as I mentioned before, I'm taking Taylor Heineke before Carson Wentz. So please don't question where I stand. But guess what? If we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves, these type of performances that we've been getting out of Taylor Heineke during this win streak is not going to be enough if we so be it happen to make the playoffs. If we so happen to make the playoffs, these type of performances, these type of inept quarterback performances are not going to cut it from Taylor Heineke. No matter which style you want to play. No matter if you're a run-first, smash-mouth team or what. Because guess what? Everybody plays the same in the playoffs. It's cold in January. Everybody's going to want to run the ball. Everybody. But the things that get you over the top in the playoffs, that's where the really elite quarterback play starts to matter. And if we keep getting enough performances like 14 for 23 for 138 yards... That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. And as I mentioned, I mentioned in today's stat line, he threw for two touchdowns. Two more than he threw for, for the, in the last two weeks. 
Now I know you're like, oh, Jalen, oh, bleeding BNG. So, so if Carson's playing so bad, why do you prefer him over? I mean, if, if Taylor's playing so bad, why you prefer him over Carson and things like that? I'll simply tell you like this. Taylor Heineke, his game style, no, he's not going to set the world on fire. No, we know that. But he is managing the game enough to not lose these games. He's doing just enough to not lose these games. One of the biggest assets that Taylor Heineke has that was one of the biggest detriments to Carson Wentz's downfall is Taylor Heineke doesn't allow you to play behind the sticks. This offense cannot function playing behind the sticks. And if you don't know what I mean, I'm talking about having positive down and distances. Gaining a substantial amount of yards on first and second down so you're dealing with third and shorts. So he doesn't have to make an all-world type of throw to keep the chains moving, to keep your drives going. But when you're dealing with second and 23, because Carson Wentz just took a 13-yard loss for a sack, that's what was happening early in the season. For that sole reason alone, that's the biggest reason why I'm taking Taylor Heineke over Carson Wentz. But we have to have better quarterback play. We have to. We have to. There are too many weapons on this team, particularly in the receiver stable, tight ends included. For us to be throwing two touchdowns in three weeks and having 138-yard passing performances, I don't care about the weather. You're in the NFL for a reason. I don't care about the weather. Anybody in the NFL that you want to consider a franchise quarterback, and no, I'm not calling Taylor Heineke that. This is my point. This is my point. Franchise quarterbacks don't care about the elements. They're going to find a way to get it done. They're going to find a way to get it done. It's almost as if I'm I'm speaking, but I, I promise you, I'm speaking on my behalf, but I promise you everybody in the Washington Commander community feels like feels like this. After that first half interception, it got to a point where I didn't want to see Taylor Heineke throw another ball. And that's bad because I got Terry McLaurin on my fantasy team. So I was willing for my fantasy team to cough up and chalk up an L today just to see Taylor Heineke not put another ball in the air. That's how bad he looked in the second half. Taylor Heineke had 34 passing yards in the second half. And the only reason, the only reason that we won this game is because the quarterback on the other side was just as bad as him and Marcus Mariota. He's cheeks as well. But by no means do I want to take this away from Taylor Heineke. I think I read a stat that he was 10-4 and four in his last 14 starts. That's admirable. That's admirable. But us as Washington Commander fans, we're fooling ourselves if we think that this player is good enough to win in the playoffs. Because isn't that the ultimate goal? Getting into the big dance. And at that point, you never know what can happen. Isn't that the ultimate goal? And I know I said that you can never know what's going to happen once you get into the big dance. But trust me, if your quarterback keeps throwing for 138 yards, I'm telling you now, you know you're going to lose in the playoffs. You know you're going to lose. So, Taylor, time to answer the the bell, man. 
Hold off on the Jordans this week. Maybe give it to the running backs. Because they deserve it. Yes, they do. Shout out to my man, Brian Robinson, having his first career 100-yard game. 18 carries for 105 yards. And he also had an 18-yard uh, touchdown reception where he trucked two grown-ass men. He trucked two grown-ass women. Two grown-ass men. I think I'm going to coin a new nickname for Brian Robinson right now and hope it sticks. I hope it sticks. Let's call this man Brian Weight Room Robinson. Brian Weight Room Robinson. We're going to call him Brian Weight Room Robinson because if you look at today's performance or that today's touchdown reception when he's plowing over two grown-ass men, or if you go back to the Philly game where he's dragging Fletcher Cox overrated ass into the end zone stretching the ball out, I think that outside of Derrick Henry, in terms of just sheer strength, not just breaking tackle ability, but who's going to put up numbers in the weight room? I think Brian Robinson might be the second strongest running back in the NFL. And I'm not speaking with hyperbole when I say that. This dude literally does not go backwards. And we were a little critical. We were a little critical of B-Rob early, uh, early in the season when he first came off the IR and things like that. You know, I was talking about how I don't think that he had some of the juice that he had early in camp. And I wasn't I wasn't remiss. I know he got shot in his knee. I know he was got shot in his knee. And that may have played a factor into it. I was just speaking on what my eye test was telling me. But the eye test is telling me that he got a lot of that juice back now. He showed me some cutbacks today that I, I did not think he had. As effective of a runner that I've always thought Brian Robinson was, I never thought that he had the juice to break off some of the brick runs that he broke off today. Multiple big runs. He had multiple runs of 10-plus yards. And that's a beautiful sight to see. Antonio Gibson, nine carries for 32 yards. Jonathan Williams, four carries for 22 yards. Smash mouth football. Smash mouth football. And one of the things that I took solace in, one of the biggest takeaways that I took from this game is that our offensive line dominated. Our offensive line dominated them dudes. Our offensive line was pushing those dudes outside, off their spot all game. Those holes was big as day. You saw the rushing totals that I just ran off. Curtis Samuel also had another 13 rushing yards. And all that's due to them big uglies that wanted to get wanted to get it mucky, mucky and yucky up there in that rain today. And that's what they did. The offensive line is found in their groove, no matter how bad they were early in the season. Because we're going with a right tackle rotation. We're flipping Cornelius Lucas and, and Samuel Cosme in every other play. And we don't seem to miss a beat. <coughs> Excuse me. Trey Turner, who's been a lot better as of recent weeks and things like that, goes down in the day. And we, we put Sadiq Charles in, and we still smashing these dudes down, down their throat. Pause. We still running right down these dudes' throats. 
So is off, has John Mask on the offensive line finally found their groove? It seems like it. Because once you found that identity that you're a run first team, you haven't heard a peep from the offensive line in a negative sense. That's because you're not sitting there trying to drop him back with a statuesque quarterback like Carson Wentz 37,000 times a game. Andrew Norwell is a mauler. Much better in the run game than he is in the past. You ever heard Andrew Norwell's name in a week of Sundays? That's a good thing as an offensive lineman. The offensive line gets my game ball today. Because going into today, and rightfully so, if you've seen the course of a, our, our six out of seven game win streak, the defensive line was is dominant. I thought the same thing was going to happen today. But if I had to pick a side of the trenches that dominated their, their matchup, the offensive, offensive side of the ball got that today. They got that today. I don't think Taylor Heineke got sacked. If you would have told me that in week two, when I saw Carson Wentz get sacked nine fucking times in week three, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. Taylor Heineke did not get sacked not once today. Shout out to Scott Turner sticking with the game plan. Because there were times that you could have got away from the run. There were a couple drives there where they were stuffing the run and things like that. But we were what? We persevered. We were persistent with it. We kept going. That's what happens when you know and realize your identity. That's what happens when you know and realize your identity. Terry McLaurin is just as reliable as he's always been. From Torch and Darius Slade, Jair Alexander, Stephon Gilmore, whoever you want to name it. He was doing the same thing to AJ Terrell today. Taylor was just missing him. Y'all know we have the stadium boots on the ground every week. That hasn't changed. That boy Terry McLaurin was riding wide, was running wide ass open all game today. I'm gonna need Taylor Heineke to hit him on a couple more passes for the sake of my fantasy team, at least. For the sake of this team, because great things happen when you get Terry McLaurin the ball. John Bates is a goddamn mauler. Best run blocking tight end in the NFL. And he also had three receptions and a receiving touchdown today. Talk about a steal. John Bates is the reason why you're able to trot out those three tight end sets and punch it down dude starts without a fullback. He's sealing off that end like a tackle. What a find from the front office. What a find from the front office. A lot, hey, those 2021 and 2020 draft classes are coming into shape too. We'll talk about that in another episode as well. For all those guys questioning, you know, paddle boat, river boat runs, you know, personnel decisions, those draft classes are coming to pan out. We'll talk about that in another episode. But on to the defense, man. 
As I mentioned, the defensive line didn't have the dominant game that we're used to or we're expecting from them over the course of the last couple over the course of the last couple of months, to be honest with you. We only had one sack with Montez Sweat, but guess what? They showed up when it was time. They showed up when it was time. I've seen a lot of media pundits and a lot of people on Twitter questioning why Atlanta would go with a throw over there um, on that last play of the game that Kendall Fuller ended up ultimately picking off. But if you guys can remember the play before that, James Smith-Williams blew Marcus Mariota up. Granted, missed the tackle, but then my boy Montez Sweat there was, was there for the cleanup, for, running, uh, for a gain of no yards. Think about the clock situation as well. I know we missed a couple of weeks, so I'm here to tell you, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are the best interior line unit, defensive tackle unit in the NFL. There's no debate. I'm also here to tell you that Jonathan Allen is the best defensive tackle in the NFL in 2022, Aaron Donald included. Jeffrey Simmons, Chris Jones, whoever you want to name, John Allen's better than all of them this year. He's the best. Oh, and another thing. We need to extend Deron Payne tonight. We need to extend Deron Payne tonight. Because if John Allen's the best defensive tackle in the NFL, Deron Payne is top five. Deron Payne, with his bat down, or his knockdown, is the reason that Kendall Fuller is able to uh, intercept that pass to win the game. Deron Payne has six and a half sacks from an interior defensive line position. He is making impact plays. He is making impact plays. And I know a lot of this, or some of us are skeptical because he's in a contract year and we got to wonder if the fall off is coming next season. I don't think so. This guy's still only 25 years old. Deron Payne is a fucking freak of nature. And I'm here to tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you, if you don't end up re-signing Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen's production is going to fall off as well. That's just how it works. No reasoning behind John Allen. Like I told you, I think he's the best defensive tackle in the NFL today. But if you don't re-sign Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen's production is going to fall off as well. So I I suggest you be wise with that decision. I know Jack Del Rio mentioned this earlier, who's doing a hell of a job as well. I know he mentioned this earlier in the week, so I don't want to seem like I'm still in this thought or I'm a copycat or things like that. But it's it's true. I literally looked up today and said, Montez Sweat is probably the best run defender at the edge position in the NFL. Guys, go look back at the film. Any run that Atlanta got on the, outs- on the outside, Went to the opposite side of Montez Sweat. And anytime they tried that shit on Montez Sweat, it never got to the outside. Montez Sweat is a fucking freak. This defense is finally playing up to what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of 2021. Because we got so many fucking freaks on this damn unit. And guess what? If you're a Bleeding BG supporter and you've been here rocking with us a long time, you know hella people owe us an apology. 
But I don't want it first. Cause I want to give it, I want you guys to give it to the person who it rightfully goes to first. Cause we told y'all Jamin Davis was coming. We told y'all in the preseason Jamin Davis was coming. Y'all told us we was crazy. Y'all told us we was lunching and shit like that. Oh, 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 what game are you watching? Oh, Jack Del Rio said that he was he needs to do better. Oh, wait, what are you watching? Yeah, what? Jamin Davis has arrived. Ten tackles a day. Six of them solo. The best linebacker on this team. I told y'all that in week one. Now I don't look so crazy, do I? Now I don't look so crazy, do I? The speed is evident. He's not missing any tackles anymore. He saved a bunch of big plays today. A lot of those read options that Marcus Mariota was breaking off, if Jamin Davis wasn't there to make that tackle, those could have turned into 80-yard runs rather than eight. Best believe. We was, on the, we was there. I'm here to tell you. The secondary is balling. Benjamin St. Juice didn't play today. You didn't hear Christian Holmes' names a bunch of times. That's good. As I told you, I think we have the best defensive tackle unit in the NFL. I think we might have the best young safety tandem in the NFL in Derek Forrest and Cam Curl. Because <coughs> they prove it week in and week out. They prove it week in and week out. Derek Forrest is a fucking menace. He suplexed the shit out of Marcus Mariota today. Almost like he told John Ridgeway, anything you can do, I can do better. Look at this, bruh. I got this. Derek Forrest had 11 tackles today, 8 solo. Plan is the deep post safety most of the time. Man, this defense is hitting all the right buttons. And I'm here to tell you. Nah, I ain't going to say it. Nah, fuck it, I'm going to say it. This defense is teetering championship-level defense. So we're going to need this quarterback to pick it up and not waste this championship-level defense getting, getting played right now. If you guys look around the league, you see Russell Wilson's, Russell Wilson's defensive tackles over there cussing him out on the sideline. Now, I don't think that's ever going to happen with Taylor Heineke, but he better pick it up and not waste this golden opportunity. Because we on a high streak, man. And I feel it. I can feel it in the air like Beanie Siegel said. But that'll do it for this episode of the Bleeding BNG Podcast. 7-5. and five. Two games over 500 going into December. I don't know what this feels like. I had this feeling in so, so long. So, so long. We got the New York Little Men coming up next. The New York Giants, if that's what you want to call them. About to go ahead and spank them. Go ahead into the bye. Going to get Chase Young coming back after that bye because I don't think he's playing next week on that bullshit turf over, bullshit turf over there in the Metrodome. Or whatever they call that shit, the Meadowlands. But hey, man, 
All good vibes over here, Bleeding BNG, and all good vibes over here with the Washington Commanders. So if you enjoyed this episode, as always, be sure to comment, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, especially if you're watching this on YouTube. We're available on all podcast platforms, but you're listening to us specifically on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating, be sure to review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that Bleeding BNG is your number one content hub when you're searching anything Washington Commanders. And guess what? We about to push out a lot of content because guess what? My team finally nice. So I'm going to wear this content out. Why we nice? Because who knows how long this is going to last. So as I said before, if you're checking this out on YouTube, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to subscribe. I appreciate all the subscriptions. I appreciate all the user interaction over there on the YouTube. Be sure to chop it. Be sure to keep chopping it up with us, especially on our social media pages. Our Instagram is at Bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, BNG. Daily post over there. Daily discussions going on over there. Daily content posted over there. Our Twitter is at Bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. And you know we love cutting it up over there on Twitter. So be sure to check us out. Be sure to keep checking into the page. Because like I said, we coming with some fire content. I got to. I got to put in the same amount of effort the Washington Command is giving us right now. And it's a lot. It's a lot. So as I said, I'm going to check in on you guys later. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode. And you guys have a good week. Peace.